I wanted to break away from the podcast for just a minute to thank the sponsor of this episode. Now, if you've ever wanted to start a podcast, or if you've already started one but find it hard to do, why don't you try Anchor.fm? That's what I'm using for this podcast. Anchor.fm is the easiest, most flexible way to publish a podcast on the market. You can record, edit, add music, or anything else directly from your phone. That's what I'm doing for this ad. I'm recording it from my phone. You can record it from a tablet or your desktop. Best of all, it's free. Totally free. So, if you ever wanted to start a podcast and all the distributions handled by Anchor, everything's handled by Anchor, just try anchor.fm and you'll become a raving fan like I am. And I want to thank them for sponsoring this episode. Now, back into the episode. Welcome to the Discover You Podcast with your host, James Hooper, spiritual and personal discovery author, speaker, teacher, and coach. James helps you find who you were created to be and guides you to the most fulfilling life you can experience. On this podcast, we'll guide you through discovering what energizes and motivates you, why you think the way you think, act the way you act, and react the way you react. We'll learn together how to grow through spiritual truths to become the best version of yourself possible. If you haven't yet, please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Also, you can go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us so they can begin their own growth journey. Well, welcome to this bonus episode of the Discover You podcast. I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about something that I've been really looking at lately, and that's the subject of hope. You know, without hope, people will not continue to exist. That's been the reason why there's been so many uh, suicides, so many people giving up, so many people killing other people. It's because there's no hope. And so I was uh, actually studying, and I came across an old magazine, it's called Leadership Journal, from uh, the summer of 2014, and I was reading an article, and it just really prompted me that I, I wanted to spend some time kind of talking about this subject. And in the scripture in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 18, it says, There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. I have found so much hope in this scripture. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. If you've had a, had a dream, if you've had a vision that God has given you, you've had a promise that God has given you, he's saying that it's there. It is still there, and it won't be cut off. And Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes a heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And so I was reading this article, and it's called Raising Hope, because hope fuels innovation, creativity, and vitality in the church. And it's by uh, Ray Johnston, who is uh, one of the senior pastor at Bayside Church in Granite Bay, California. And again, it's from Leadership Journal from the summer of 2014. And I'll put a, a link to this article in the notes of this podcast. Now, it probably won't be hyperlinked, so you have to copy and paste it and put it in your browser, but I'll put it there and you can actually go and read it yourself and print it off if you want to. Uh, it may not mean as much to you as it did to me, but I really, it really impacted me. 
The very first paragraph says, he said, a psychologist recently told me when a couple comes to me and they've wrecked their marriage over the past 20 years, my goal is to merely help them improve their relationship by 5%. Why? Because as soon as someone sees 5% improvement, they get hope. The minute someone gets hope, anything is possible. And that just resonated with me. When, when you see, when it seems like there is no hope at all, you are just not motivated. You're, you're hopeless. But as all you can, if all you need is 5% hope, and then you can make it and then things can happen. He goes on to say, I realize that's equally applicable to leaders and the church. Hope is powerful. A 5% rise in hope will fuel innovation and creativity in our churches. That's all it takes. When a church's hope level rises, the church begins to thrive. And how do we raise the level of our hope? By putting four factors into practice. Now, again, this is going to be relating to the church context, but those of you that are listeners that are not pastors or whatever, this can apply to you personally. It can apply to your business. It can apply to anything. There there has to be hope, because if there's no hope, life is not worth living. And so we must maintain hope. But I'm really addressing this mostly to my pastor friends. I really feel like this is something that's missing in our churches. And uh, when I was pastoring and when I pastor again, well, when I was pastoring, I didn't know this. My goal was to basically keep things going. That's all it was, just keep things going. Well, that wasn't incentivizing anybody. That wasn't inspiring anybody just to keep things going. And I know we have financial struggles. We have issues these days that that there are people and that, you know, our churches are struggling, especially the smaller churches. But if we can bring some hope to those that come to our church, if we can be the ones, since we are the leaders, if we can bring hope to them, then we will we'll bring innovation, we'll bring courage, we'll bring people that are willing to, to buy in. So I'm just going to kind of go through this thing. I guess you can call this just kind of a book review for this article or article review. Um, again, you can read it for yourself, but I just wanted to record it. I just wanted to put some of my thoughts with it. And so he says the four practices, uh, the way we raise the level of our hope by putting four practices, four factors into practice. Number one is recharge your batteries. See, if you're tired all the time, you cannot bring hope to anybody. You cannot do your job effectively and fulfill your calling effectively if you're tired all the time. Now, I understand some of us are bivocational. Some of us have to work a full-time job and also pastor a church. But this is a calling that not many people can do. Where if you're truly called to it and you know you're called to it, then it's something we have to to deal with for a time. But they say building times of recharging into your life. Uh, this is the saying they have at, at that church divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. In other words, don't work every hour of every day. Take your day off each week and take all of your vacation time each year. See, the thing is, is when you're so engrossed in what's going on in the church, you're having to work, you're having to pastor a church, then you don't, you work all hours and you're just physically and mentally exhausted. 
We've got to reinstitute the Sabbath principle. Now, we're not going back to Judaism. We're not trying to practice Judaism, but it is a principle that if God rested on the seventh day, then we need to rest. There's a time when my dad used to say, you need to come apart before you come apart. And so we have to have a day of the week, at least one day, if not two, but at least one day where we don't do church business. And I know if it's a small church, you're at the beck and call of people, but we've got to institute boundaries with with our congregants and say, listen, this is my Sabbath day. If you want me to be my best for you, then you need to respect that Sabbath day. And unless somebody dies, don't call me. Unless somebody dies, don't come by the house because me and my family, we are, that's our Sabbath day. And we're going to we're going to rest. We're going to recharge. We're going to do what we need to do as a family to build our family together. And whatever you consider as rest. I mean, some people consider skydiving as rest. I don't know. But just whatever diverts your attention away from doing that will recharge your batteries. So recharging your batteries is the first factor. Number two is raise expectations. Now, see, this is something that we it's going to be kind of challenging. The next couple ones are going to be kind of challenging. But we need to adopt the uh, the principle that Steve Jobs instituted. It's called reality distortion field. In other words, Steve Jobs believed that the impossible was possible. In everything they did at Apple, he always let them know, Whatever you think is impossible, it is possible. And they called it the dis- reality distortion field. And he was a non-believer. But we have a God that says, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We've gotten to the point where we've adopted this principle of it just looks impossible. And so I'm not even going to try. So we've got to raise our expectations, and when we raise our expectations, we will raise the expectations of those in our church. Uh, one of the things he talked about was, you know, if you go to an auto show, uh, like those of us in Texas, we go to the State Fair of Texas, and they have the auto show, and they've got the concept cars, and they're so cool. I mean, they're slick, they're, you know, they're cool looking and all this other stuff, but then like four or five years later, when that car finally comes out, It's just plain Jane. It's like nothing like it was conceived of. That's because so many people got involved and said, well, we did that for one car, but we can't we can't replicate that. There's no way of doing that. And so they they eliminate one thing. And then the next people say, well, that's not doable. So we're going to eliminate that rather than trying to figure out how to make it possible. They always approach the impossible. So by the time it comes out, it's just a really normal looking car there's nothing unique about it and steve jobs calls that they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory you know it's like when we dream if we're going to dream god has put so much creativity in each one of us because the creator of the universe lives inside of us and we as ministers and and pastors we have an anointing to lead people to lead a congregation to lead a community and with that anointing, God gives us vision. God gives us dream. And, and God wants to give you permission to dream. He wants to give you permission to dream. And I mean, it, you may have been there 
year after year after year. You've may have been there a long time, and it just seems like there's no dream. It's just the dream is dead. I challenge you, get before God and start dreaming before God. Don't get around people and start telling them your vision and let them start knocking it down. Have a time of dreaming to where you don't ever you don't say anything's impossible. Just dream, write it all down. Just dream. This is a vision, you know, vision casting or visioneering or whatever you want to call it. This is one of the things that happens like at Disney. They, they allow people to have dreaming sessions and nobody is allowed to say, well, how are you going to do that? Or how are you going to pay for that? Just start dreaming. And once you dreamed all these big dreams and all these big plans, then you can take those things and you can start applying biblical principles to them and say, do I feel God on that? Do I sense that that's the direction God wants us to go? And get your leadership team around you, whether if they're volunteer or their staff or whatever, get them around you and say, which of these do God does God want us to pursue? So raise the expectations. Number three, refocus on the future. Refocus on the future. The, the author of this says uh, one of the things he asks leaders whenever he does anything, he actually has uh, is the president of the, Th- the Thrive Conferences. And so he says, whenever I meet a leader, I always say, what are the next things you're going to do? What are the next things you're going to do? And he said, if it doesn't immediately fall out of their mouth, I know they're not thinking they're not planning for it. And he says, if you have no plans, if you're not planning on the next thing then the church is already in decline. Because if it's not moving forward, it doesn't sit still. It will decline. There's no such thing as a church maintaining status quo. It will decline. It's just like anything unused. If you see a building that you see sits there, a house or a building, and it sits there unused, it's going to decay. It's just going to decay, and it decays quicker than if someone's living in it. It's strange how that happens, but when someone's living or somebody's occupying a building, it doesn't deteriorate as fast as if it's just sitting empty. So think about always think about what's coming next. A future vision tends to create forward motion. A future vision tends to create forward motion. And so somebody asked him what was his secret to success at their church, and he says, he said, Two days out of the year, there are two days out of the year that that make us successful. And what they do is they take a staff retreat and they get away and they ask these three questions. They ask these three questions and this is their dreaming session. Question number one, what's God telling us to do in the next 12 to 18 months to reach our community for Christ? What is he calling us to do? What initiatives is he trying to do? What is on God's heart to reach our community in the next 12 to 18 months? Question number two. What's God telling us to do in the next 12 to 18 months to grow people deeper spiritually? What are his plans for discipling? What are his plans? And and these are things that they're just they're just dreaming. They're just dreaming. They're imagining and they're using those things. And so they write all these things down. And number three, what's God calling us to do to unleash compassion in our community and around the world? See, this is one thing that I think a lot of our the smaller churches they're so focused on keeping themselves alive that they don't look to their community. There's there's no time that they go to any of the community leaders and say, listen, what can we do? I mean, if you don't have any money, then say, what? where can we volunteer? Is there something we can do in the community to volunteer to help you? See, we've always, the church has been looked to, looked at, has become looked at as a, 
as a draw on the community. It's something that you just want people to come to your church, give their money there, and there's no benefit to the community. There's a spiritual thing, but the community doesn't see it as a benefit. But if the church gets involved in the community and goes out and says, what can we do? And if you don't have any money right now, Use some sweat equity. Get out there and do some things. If they need a park cleaned up or if they need something, just, you know, if you can get two or three people. I mean, okay, pastors, if if nobody will do it, then let's get out and do it. You know, let's get out there and do what we can do and lead by example. And yes, you are so busy. And I understand that you're busier than your church members because you have two jobs if you're bivocational. But see, the thing is, is if we don't lead by example, they will not follow us. They'll only follow people that they can trust. They only follow people that they can, they have relationship with and that they respect. And if you're out there sweating and cleaning up a park or, or, you know, serving somebody, doing something for the community and let the community leaders know, listen, we're not asking for anything. We don't want anything in return. We just want to serve the community. We just want to be a blessing to the community. And when you do that, when you bless others, the scripture tells us, if you give, it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. I believe that's one of the secrets, that if we will give and give to our community and not have another bake sale, not have another rummage sale, not have another garage sale, not you know, have another spaghetti supper. I'm saying do something. I mean, I'm not saying don't do those things, but if that's all you ever do is ask people to come to your church to spend money, then you're you're drawing on the community. You're not being a benefit. Look to see what you can do for the community. So anyway, those are the three things that they talk about. And he said, listen, if we don't, if we have a plan and we don't bat a thousand, he said, that's okay. I'd rather, he said, wouldn't you rather die with some un- unfulfilled expectations and not have any expectations at all. And then number four, he says, cast the problem before the vision. And I say there's a lot of talk about vision casting and things like that. And I, I really believe in vision casting because without a vision, the people perish and that sort of thing. But the thing is, is he said, a final factor for building hope is not casting vision, but casting the problem you're wanting to solve. By casting the problem, you create urgency as well as hope that the issue can be addressed. This is how Nehemiah did it in Nehemiah chapter 2. He he went to the people and said, look, this is the problem. This is what we need to do. But then you cast the vision of how you're going to do it, how you're going to meet that. Because if you're always casting vision, then people are going to start saying, well, why are we doing that? And they're not going to get engaged. They're not going to do it. They're going to say, why are we doing it? Why are we doing this? This is just another harebrained idea. And, and and sidebar, don't be constantly going to conferences and things like that, coming back, trying all these new things every time. I mean, it's like, you know, the people still get so tired of if the pastor goes to another conference or another seminar or something like that, and every time he comes back, everything changes. Stay consistent, innovate, you know, be innovative, but don't over-innovate. In other words, don't bring too many changes at one time and don't try to change everything all the time. You just started this. Why change that right now? Unless it's not working, give it some time, you know, let it work its course. My dad always said, if it's not working, stop it. And he pastored all my life and he said, listen, if something doesn't work, there's no sense in letting it keep going. But the thing is, is you've got to give it some time unless it just immediately see it's not going to work. But don't be changing things just to be changing things all the time. 
change needs to happen. There needs to be something changing. And see, it sounds like I'm talking out two sides of my file, but something needs to be changing all the time. In other words, there's got to be something you're looking forward to, but we can't change everything all the time. So anyway, so we cast the problem before we cast the vision. That way they see why we're doing it and they can buy into it. They can see what the problem is and then they can see, oh, we've got a plan. We can work that plan and we can do it. So when those factors come together, the church is hopeful. And when a church is hopeful, amazing things can happen. So let me, I'm going to just read uh, one uh, paragraph out of the, the article and then I'll finish up. Uh, he said, five years ago, my daughter, Leslie, came home from school. She was taking a leadership class. She said, they've assigned us a paper and we have to write on a leader and I picked you. I thought that was pretty cool until she said, I have 20 questions and you have to answer all of them. We talked for two hours, but her last question was the best question. She asked, what's the most important thing you do as the pastor of Bayside and president of Thrive Leadership? I looked at her and said, honey, that's easy. The single most important thing I do as a leader is to make sure I stay encouraged. If I'm not encouraged, I will never be the leader God wants me to be. I will never be the communicator that God wants me to be. The last thing America needs is discouraged pastors. And folks, I, I so believe that. I believe that you have been giving your all. You have been giving everything you can, giving your best, and just th- seems like nothing works. And so you become discouraged and nothing changes and that sort of thing. I just challenge you to, to at least find some hope. Find something that can give you hope, something that can encourage you. Find one thing. Try one new initiative. Give the the congregation one new initiative, one thing to do, one thing to focus on, one vision. Show a problem that we're having at the church and not just fixing the building, not just, you know, oh, this is, you know, not coming for a cleaning day, you know. A cleaning day and a work day, that's fine periodically, but I'm, I'm saying something that's of significance, something that they can buy into. And, and if, if just one person gets excited about it and one person comes, comes alive because of it, use that as your, uh, the fuel to ignite you. Use that as the 5% hope that you can, that you need to really encourage you and bring innovation. And you and that person dream together. Just begin to plan how you're going to do it and that sort of thing. But I just felt like this was something that we we need in the ministry so desperately when I read this article, and I just wanted to share it with you. Um, you can read the article yourself. Again, I'm going to put the link in the, the notes of this podcast, the description of the podcast, so you can, this particular one, not the, not the Discover You description, but this particular episode, the episode description, that's what I mean. And then you can, can look and read it yourself. There are other awesome articles in this uh it's so funny because i've had this thing laying around somebody gave it to me over a year ago maybe longer and it's been just laying around in fact it was laying on top of something in my garage and my wife saw the cover of it and said oh this looks interesting and i said oh okay yeah let me look at that for a minute well i took it and then i've been reading articles and highlighting and stuff but it just really spoke to me i just really felt like i needed hope that's i guess that's why it was speaking to me because i needed some hope and this has really ignited me and really uh, shown me that that only 5% hope can bring innovation and creativity to a, a, to a church. 
And so I hope this helps you. I hope this is some. I didn't waste your time or whatever. I don't believe it's a waste of time. I think it's information that's helpful. I think it's information that will energize you, give you kind of help you get a new perspective. And um, I'm not. I hope I didn't come across as coming down on people. I by no means want to come down on people. I'm, I have great, I have compassion for you, all of you that are pastoring, um, all you men and women that are pastoring churches. I have compassion on you. And at this point right now, I'm not pastoring, but I will pastor again. I promise you that I'm going to pastor again. And, uh, so this kind of stuff I love to learn about and I love to, it energizes me. And so when I learn information, I think, who can I share it with? And I'm thinking, I've got a podcast. I'll just share it with my podcast audience. So talk to you later, guys. Uh, we're uh, probably, I don't even remember right now, we're probably got two, a couple more episodes that are scheduled that release on Tuesdays at 6 a.m. Central Time that are covering the motivational gifts. And then there are, the next ones are sermons that uh, I gave at a revival. But I just want to do this bonus episode and uh, just kind of interject this. Thanks, guys. Love y'all and hope to talk to you again later. Thank you for listening to the Discover You podcast with your host, James Hooper. This podcast exists to help you grow both spiritually and personally. If you enjoyed it and think others could benefit from the content provided, please go to your favorite podcast platform and leave a review and rating. This will help others find us more easily. Also, if you haven't already, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining us for the Discover You podcast.